Hi, I'm Mike Sibley. And I'm Carrie Boynton. We're the leaders of the James Moore Manufacturing Team. On this episode of Moore and Manufacturing, we're joined by Julie Nicely, Director for HR Services at James Moore and Company, to discuss employee recruitment and retention. This has been an issue in the past, but from what we're hearing from clients, it's getting worse and becoming actually a huge problem, even to the point that employees are hopping from employers for very small pay differences. So Julie, is this an issue specific to the manufacturing industry or are you seeing this across the board? Oh, it's across the board. It's across the board, every industry. Actually, I was at, I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts on my way in this morning and there was a sign on the front door right next to where they have mask, you know, the mask mandate. And it says, please be patient. We are short staffed due to staffing shortages. So we're doing the best we can. I'm paraphrasing, but that it's a sign on in front of a business. So it's every industry. It's the service industry. It's retail. It's restaurants. It's manufacturing. It's construction. Um, one of the issues is, you know, I, I mean, it's not, it's pretty obvious. The baby boomers are starting to retire and about 25% of them are going to be retiring in the next 10 years. So there goes all of that institutional knowledge. There goes all that technical ability right out the door in retirement. And then when you add just regular um, regular turnover to that, then now it's, it's, it's double that. So um, people are not staying in the same job for 20, 30 years like my, my father's generation did. And they literally will walk off a job if they can make another 25 cents more an hour someplace else. So it's, it's, it's nationwide a huge problem. And um, that's one of the reasons that you keep seeing a lot of articles in manufacturing otherwise about what do we do for retention? What do we do for recruitment? How do we start to try to get the younger, younger workers into the workforce and into what we're doing so that we can kind of get them in the front door because it's a revolving door. You know, as soon as you bring people in, other ones are heading out. So in terms of labor shortages, then um, really manufacturers are effectively not only competing against other manufacturers, but they're competing against other industries because there's just not the the number of people out there that they need, or maybe the people are just not looking. Obviously, there's a lot going on politically in the world right now. So manufacturers are, are literally competing against every other industry. Yes. Well, and one of the one of the issues last summer um, during the first initial COVID period with the additional unemployment people were receiving, a lot of the people were making more money staying home and not working and staying on unemployment than they were going back to work. So that became a significant issue. And then when they were out of the workforce for a while, they decided to go do something else. And, and that's one of the issues. The cost of this turnover in manufacturing in, manufacturing in particular is extreme. Um, you can take somebody who is an entry, level, so an entry level position in a manufacturing environment and the cost of having to replace them can be three or four months of their salary. If you're talking about somebody at a higher level or highly technical, an engineer, um, product manager, then you can be talking about one and a half times their annual salary is what it can cost just in turnover in order to recruit and try to hire and replace them. And again, all of that knowledge is going out the door too. Mm. So I guess then when you start talking about everybody's got the recruiting side and understands in theory where recruiting is, but let's talk about retention. And when you say retention and engagement, that's those, those are pretty significant topics. We're hearing a lot about it, but can you talk about what, what exactly does that mean? 
Yes, absolutely. So engagement is how passionate somebody is about their job. You know, is it more than a job? You know, are they really committed to the mission of the organization? Are they doing more than the, what's expected of them? Are they doing more than the minimum? Are they passionate about the mission of the organization and where their future may be there? That that getting that engagement is what keeps people sitting in the seat. That's what's going to keep people in the organization. And you're not going to have retention if you don't have engagement. And that's why it is talked about all over the place because you have got to be doing more to try to hold on to the people that you get in the door. Um, when it comes to, to retention, you know, when you have a new hire, somebody comes in, they're new, you train them up, you're, they learn on the job, they get to a level of expertise, and then as time goes by, then you train them some more in higher level, um, higher level tasks, then they maybe can try, start training somebody else, so if you interrupt that cycle and you have people leave, once you've got them fully trained, then you're starting back over at the beginning again. So you've got, once you get them in the door, you've got to figure out how do you manage to keep them? And you can't just assume that once they walk in the door and you give them a, give them a seat, then that's going to be okay. It's not. And they're looking, once they get there, if you don't hold on to them and worry about engagement for those first 30, 60, 90 days, then they're already looking for something else. That that first three months is incredibly key to the entire process. So how should employers be gauging that level of interest and engagement from employees? And how should they know if employees really aren't as engaged as they should be? Um, one of the things is ask. It sounds simple, but how about asking um, employees how they were feeling? One thing that at least on the HR side we tend to do is we have exit interviews with employees when they leave. Great, we wanna know what we did right and what we did wrong. But why are we waiting until they're leaving to ask those questions? Why aren't we asking those questions when they're still with us? How's it going? How are we doing? How was your first 30 days? How was your first 60 days? How was your first 90 days? How's the relationship with their manager, with the other people that they work around? We need to be asking these questions upfront and all of the time and not wait until we already know somebody is a threat for walking out the door. By then it's way too late. So we need to have these conversations way up front. We want, people wanna feel valued and that they can make a difference in the organization. It's more than just a job to a lot of people, especially the younger generations. So we need to get on top of this much earlier than we have. And you'll hear a lot about stay interviews, which is, which is something that, that we can talk about with like, what does that mean? Um, but there's all kinds of methods, but first you have to start by asking. And the other thing you need to do is look in a mirror. As a leadership team, as a management team, you can figure out probably where things are going right and where they're not. But you have to be willing to look in the mirror. You have to be willing to make organizational change from the top of the organization, because if it's not coming from the top, it's really difficult to get it to work all the way down. Um, and you need to be oh, having those open conversations. And um, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, we just get so busy. It's like, I need a body. We get them in the door, go to work and, and be happy. And they're not necessarily then following up a few weeks later and saying, how's it going so far? How are we doing? Did we train you the right way? Mm -hmm. We need to be doing more of that. You, you just mentioned something. Um, in, in employees want to feel valued like they're, they're valuable to the organization. Can you, can you expand? I mean, so how, 
what does that even mean that an employee is there? Does that mean I got to have some sort of program? Do I have to tell them, hey, you produce this? I mean, what, what does this mean to, to be valuable to the organization or to add value? I hear you start hearing that a lot from employees and in surveys and things like that. How do we add that? How am I adding value to the organization? What is it? So what is, maybe you can describe that a little bit more. Yes, sure. Um, and it could be generational in some cases, how somebody who is a baby boomer might feel valued by an organization and be more motivated by money, bonuses, pay raises, you know, um, uh, an occasional pat on the back. And you get into the younger organizations and where do they see their value? You know, that's they want a lot more communication, a lot more attaboys, a lot more pats on the back. Um, affirmation that they're doing the right thing and how do you add value with a younger group who want to have um, meaning behind the work they're doing right they don't want to just work for the sake of working they want to have meaning behind that so how do you build that into your culture that you're not just doing XYZ job today but at XYG job is then doing other things for other people it's helping people how it's it's um, helping an association, it's helping nonprofits. So even though they're a little piece of it, it's, it's hard for them to see the big picture if you don't explain to them what it is, right? So from a culture perspective, you really wanna explain, tell your story, what are you really doing? You're doing more than just your day-to-day -day job. What is the mission? Where is it going? How, who are you helping? So that you build that in and then that helps them feel valued. And you need to talk to them, as I said before, ask them questions. How are they doing? How can they impact change? You know, if, if they see, if a, if a worker sees that there's a problem or we're doing the same thing the same way because we've been doing it that way for 20 years, but someone has an idea on how to improve a process, you need to be listening to that. You need to open up that, that door for that conversation so that they know that if they have a better way of doing it, bring it forward. Let them help make improvements to their day-to-day -day job and listen to them. Not every idea might work, but at least you want to hear. They're the ones on the front lines and they know how to make their job better. We do have to do a better job of actually asking them and then appreciating the fact when they do tell us and not being judgmental Judgmental if it's a bad idea, right? Like I said, not every idea is going to work, but mm -hmm. you can at least listen. You can open up that door. You can't just bring somebody in and say good luck when they get hired. You know, this is a constant cadence in the employee life cycle you have constant you have got to be communicating all the time so you well, mentioned quite a few times oh go ahead Kerry. ask your question sorry uh you mentioned quite a few times talking to employees asking questions who is the right person in the organization to actually be having these conversations what if you know the manufacturer is too small to actually have their own hr department should it be coming from management, the owner? What if they're afraid that employees won't really tell them how they're truly feeling if it's a negative situation? The most important relationship historically, and this is all industries, the most re important relationship an employee has in an organization is with their direct supervisor or their manager. And if that if they don't feel that they can talk to their manager or supervisor, then it's not, it's not going to go well and they won't stay. One of the primary people reasons people leave a job in the first six months is be their relationship with their manager or supervisor. So what are we doing to train those managers and supervisors on how to have that conversation? We don't spend a lot of time and sometimes we don't have training budgets in order to train managers 
appropriately. And it's completely different than doing the job. Um, you know, every industry does this. We have people that are incredibly technically competent. So we promote them to management. Great. We promote them to management. But then what do we do to help them understand what that means and what it means to be a manager and how to have these conversations and what their responsibilities are as a manager? It's not natural. I mean, both of you are natural leaders. You know, you're natural managers. You have great relationships with the people that you work with. It doesn't come naturally to some. And we have to do everything we can to try to help them. We got to tee it up for them the right way. It's not their fault. If they don't know how to have that conversation, it's ours. We need to do a better job, invest more money in training, invest more time in those activities, because as I said at the beginning, the cost of the turnover is a lot more than if you add some money into your budget in order to train your managers properly. Well, I the think other, that goes the same go for, uh, for business owners. They can't forget, because as Carrie just mentioned, there's a lot of smaller manufacturers out there that may not even have necessarily managers or the business owner and but they've got good people and they want to so the business owner themselves also has to have to partake in this change in leadership but you know some some you know a lot of manufacturers they get started because the business owner's got some great skill and develops some product and is able to expand but may not have had sort of this leadership training and certainly we're in an environment like you said, retention and engagement, it requires a whole different approach to uh, handling people, managing people, dealing with people. So really, it's not just management, it's the business owner themselves as well. Right, right. And the other thing that's really important too, and I, um, I, I would, let me start with actually by asking a question is what do you two really like about our company? What's the best part about our company? Culture. Absolutely, the people. People, the people and the culture. So one thing I would ask as a manager in any organization is, can your employees say that they have a best friend that they work with? Do they have a best friend? Do they have coworkers they get along with, that they spend time with, that they enjoy each other's company? Those are the things that keep people in their seat, right? If you don't have those kind of relationships, it's, it's a lot easier to make a decision to leave. If you have those relationships, it's a lot harder, right? So even if somebody is offering you that additional 25 cents, it's, well, yeah, but I love our culture and the people are so great and I get along with my manager and I meet with my coworkers to, to do walks twice a week. And you want to make it a very difficult decision for somebody to leave, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to make it an easy decision. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I heard one time at a conference and I wish I could remember, but basically, you know, they said, once you take money off the table, culture trumps everything. Right. And yep. essentially that's what part of what you're talking about is what is that, what is that culture? What's that environment uh, that people are in? And I think, I, I agree. I think if people are very loyal to the group around them, it makes it very, very difficult to leave. Now that doesn't say if somebody gets offered $10 more per hour that, you know, that that's a whole different story. And perhaps it just has to do with, you know, maybe the rates are too low that, that you're paying, but it is an important factor. But let's, you know, so you've just mentioned a whole bunch of stuff about how to sort of improve, but maybe you can kind of pull that together into what are the things that we can do, uh, manufacturers can do to really affect the retention, the engagement of their employees so they can work on their culture, so they can make it a great place to work. Uh, so they don't have to worry about those pieces. What can they do? 
so a few things that I've, I've kind of touched on a little bit is, and I mentioned instead of exit interviews, we call them stay interviews. Ask people how they're feeling. Ask, I mean, make it a regular part. When you're doing performance evaluations, you do those fairly regularly, and many organizations do, but do stay interviews. Um, ask, uh, it's very simple to ask a few questions. How's it going? What can I do to make your work better and your day better when you're here at work? What are the things that maybe I'm not doing right? How can we communicate effectively? Have you thought of leaving in the last few months? And if so, why? Nothing wrong with it, just asking the questions. So I would start, start with stay interviews. Again, it's communication, communication, communication. Before you do that, you gotta be training your managers and how to have that conversation so that there's no hint of defensiveness coming out of that conversation. So mm -hmm. if an employee says, I've got a couple of ideas on how to prove things, nothing is going to hurt your culture more than squashing that in a negative way. You know, Not everybody can have a brilliant idea, but you want them to at least open up the door and have that conversation. Um, other, the, other than the training and the stay interviews, regular communication up and down the organization, from the leadership down, talking about your culture, talking about what it's, why it's important, and providing formal and informal mechanisms for employees to communicate upward. Um, committees or whatever, whatever might happen to work within the culture of the organization. Um, if you're just sending out a memo or an email once in a great while about something and it's usually negative, that's not good. You want to be telling the story all the time. You want to take that culture that you want and put it into the day-to-day -day so that it's a constant reminder that that is the direction you're heading in. Um, diversity, equality, and inclusion are incredibly important right now. Um, you need to be having those conversations in your workforces and bringing the employees in and how you can improve that, which will also then help with, with the recruitment side. The more you do to look at um, underserved populations or non-traditional populations, then you can bring in some workers. Um, and, and even um, I was on a, on a uh, HR call with an association last week. And one of the things they talked about is like second chance programs. They're really big on working with the second chance programs. There are opportunities. Um, Jane, back in January um, during this session was talking about some of the things that the Volusia um, Manufacturers Association was doing in this regard to try to attract more people into the manufacturing environment. Tell the story the right way. Talk about innovation and talk about technology and AI and robotics and, and all of these things are going to pull in more of the younger generation because it's not being talked about necessarily in schools, right? And in some cases, parents may be discouraging kids to go into going into manufacturing. They're trying to get them into go into other other industries. So you, it's almost like having to do a public relations, right? You got to tell your story. It's a sales pitch. If you're just posting an ad anytime you get you have an opening and you're not trying to sell that organization at the same time, then you're doing yourself a disperse, uh, 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 not doing yourself any favors, I should say. You can't just post and pray. It's a sales pitch. What, what are you telling about your culture? What, are, what story are you telling about your culture? When somebody comes in for an interview, is it more than five questions and fill out an application? Um, other organizations are going to be doing this. Other organizations are doing this. And if you're not, then they're gonna make a decision to go elsewhere. Well, I think uh, to your point with the Volusia Manufacturers Association and, you know, just put a plug in for them and for Jane Pfeiffer and 
you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities. The VMA is working really hard to recruit and to uh, change the story. We're not, you know, manufacturers are not necessarily the same manufacturing that was 100 years ago. And yet I think everybody's got that that vision in in their minds as that's what manufacturing it's it's a lot more technical than it was um you know from from programming cnc machines to some of the very technical aspects so there's a lot to it and you know just in in our area we've got a lot of manufacturers that help uh with it whether it's medical devices or working with the the u.s government for defense and and the coast guard putting parts into the into boats for the coast guard and various other things that they do you start talking about, okay, what value to, are we providing? Gosh, we're saving lives. We're we're protecting lives. We're doing all these different things, and and certainly that's the message that we're trying to to get out from a VMA standpoint as well. Um, so you know, there's opportunities for people to for businesses to um, you know to to be part of this this movement to let everybody know. And, and, and I'm not sure how much you can comment on this, but we do know that wages are higher in manufacturing on, on average than they are in, in many other service industries and other places. So it's a, it's a good place to, to start in terms from a career standpoint. Sure. And well, I mean, it, and, and that you definitely want to be publicizing that fact, but in some cases like the younger or generations, they think a manufacturing environment is very stagnant, maybe um, not flexible. You got to work shift and you might not like the hours you work. Um, and maybe that's not true. If there's opportunities to provide flexibility, a lot of the younger generations want that flexibility. They want that balance. They want to be able to do stuff that's personal and, and have a good job and feel valued while they're there. Um, so there's, there's some of that old, old mentality of what manufacturing is, like you said, that it's very stagnant and rigid. Um, so how do you change that? story and how do you build some flexibility and in, um, into your culture so that it doesn't have that same impression as it did many years ago you know um, one of the other things that that some organizations are starting to do is putting together like a buddy system um, kind of with the retention and with the retiring of the baby boomers pair one of the younger workers with somebody who's getting ready to retire so that you can pass on that institutional knowledge and that technical knowledge down to somebody else. Another thing is too, is, is have like a rotation. So develop a, you can develop a program where you take younger workers and give them a flavor for all of the different aspects of the business. Let them learn what sales is. Let them know what it's like on the floor. Let them know, know what it's like in marketing because the more well-rounded they are, the more base of knowledge they have, again, they're going to invest more in the organization if they understand all of the moving parts of it. That's a really good point. I've never really considered that. Um, and of course, some of this is going to depend on size of organization and, and things like that. But certainly if somebody can understand the customer service side of things versus the sales side of things, and, and uh, then obviously when they're in the production environment, they, they got a much better feel for what the end user is looking for. And you know when when you're dealing with the customer service side of things you've got people calling in and need help on their products and stuff you know when you're making it that gives you another whole touch point in terms of really getting a flavor for that that's a that's a really you know really outstanding idea uh, on on that side of things um carrie do you have any other questions julie any final thoughts as we as we get to wrapping up here 
Um, I don't think any other questions. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just saying I don't have any other questions. I think this was a lot of really great information. It sounds like the big takeaway is be proactive, mm -hmm. uh, take control of your own narrative in terms of you know what it's like to work at that company and communicate, communicate, communicate. That's exactly what I was going to say, so that's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining us. I know that all of our viewers and listeners will certainly pull some things out of it. You gave some great points for us to consider. And you know, even for Carrie and I, as we're meeting with manufacturers, this is there's some really good points taken away that I hadn't considered before either. So thank you very much for joining us. And to our viewers and listeners out there, thank you for joining us as well. To learn more about James Moore and Company's manufacturing services, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our More on Manufacturing series to receive updates when new videos and podcasts are released. If you'd like to be a guest, or if there's a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, contact us on our website. You can also follow us on social media for more news as the landscape on manufacturing continues to rapidly evolve. Thank you.